Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hey, this is Cleveland Brown, and you're listening to the About Last Night podcast. I guess your TV must be broken. Ha <laughs> Just kidding. Actually, I'm not kidding. You're bored. Hey, Brad. What's up, Adam? Oh, dude, you know, just feeling real chill. You look good, you feel good. Oh, and when you look good and you feel good, you pod good. Darn right. And what's the best way that we can pod good? Put Koi CBD in your body. So great. I'm so glad that these guys jumped on as the sponsors. CBD oil is the hottest thing in health right now. You watch the news. Every day there's a new study about how good this stuff is and the benefits of it. We're one press conference away from Trump being like, this is why (laughs) my cheeseburgers (laughs) taste so good. They've got Koi CBD oil in them. CBD, if you don't know what it is, It's not weed. That's a big misconception. It's an oil derived from an industrial hemp plant that has no psychoactive effects. So you get the medical benefits from the hemp plant without getting the high, man. It's a great natural alternative to over-the-counter and pharmaceutical drugs. Now, there's a lot of uh, uses for CBD oil. Absolutely. Uh, Creams, uh, tinctures, uh, vapes, gummies, which Koi all provides. I fuck with the gummies every morning because it starts my day off with a very relaxed, chill, meditative. uh, I just feel dialed in. There's got to be something in the these gummies that also you know gives your brain an extra level of of uh coherentness is that the word well because you, you probably took it makes a, you make up words you <laughs> took a gummy before you said that that's for sure and i do the same thing but i have the but i have the oils i, I just take the cbd yeah. oil i put it in my tea and then i'm, I'm good to go for You're the rest a tea guy of the day now. is that is that from being married I mean, I, I I don't know what it is. I'm a, tea is great, though. I'm I'm a tea guy because it makes me feel good. And yeah. CBD oil, Koi CBD oil, makes me feel even better. They got all sorts of flavors. They got what are pep- the flavors? They got peppermint. They Oof. got lemon lime. They got blue raspberry. They got all these all these different things. They are the fruity pebbles of CBD oil. <laughs> People use it too for pain, anxiety, inflammation. My mom uses the uh, Koi uh, topical creams for yeah. arthritis, and she straight yep. up told me she's like, I don't hurt like I hurt before. That's a great slogan. And I'm like, that is so on. Awesome and real and that's coming from a jewish mom yeah. and as you said they don't uh they don't lie they don't lie this stuff works so well i'm scared to rub the lotion on me because i think it might cure my dwarfism <laughs> and then what the fuck am i gonna joke about well koi cbd uh all these products are manufactured in the usa with 100 natural cbd oil uh, it's the best tasting product on the market as yep. we've attested to the flavors we've tried a bunch people have come to us all the time trying to be like yo can we sponsor we haven't found the one we've liked until now and uh they're uh, america's number one trusted cbd brand all the products are thc uh, thc free and uh, it's a family-owned and operated um, uh, company. And uh, if you want to fuck with Koi, which you should, because we do, and we can't uh, talk about how much we love their products enough, uh, the gummies, the tinctures, the creams, uh, the tinctures, the drops. Dude, I put a couple drops in before I go to bed. And it also makes it easier to drink coffee, because coffee gives me a little bit of anxiety. Yep. And now it calms me down. Um, so I love that. If you want it, go to KoiCBD.com right now. Put in promo code about last night, all one word, all caps, for 20% off any retail order from the website. Koi cbd.com promo code about last night for 20 percent off the order start feeling good start living good start looking good start dwarfing good start dwarfing good <laughs> the official uh dwarf uh sponsor koi is the official cbd sponsor of dwarves can i say that i'm pretty sure 
You've got proof. I'm, I'm a dwarf. I'll bring it up in the next meeting. And now enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with Brad Williams and Adam Ray. Tonight at 8 p.m. in the Comedy Store Belly Room, I am going to be hosting the first ever edition of Going Live with Adam Ray and Sandy Danto, special guest Jaleel White. It's a show where we break down Instagram, the uh, hot stories and videos of the week on Instagram, and then we pull names from a hat, and you and the audience get to come up, and we rip apart your Instagram with you live on stage. It's going to be hilarious. Jaleel White is a special guest. Sandy Danto is my co-host. 8 p.m., Belly Store Comedy... I'm sorry, Comedy Store Belly Room, 8 p.m. tonight, September 16th. Get your tickets at adamraycomedy.com or comedystore.com. The rest of the week, I got shows, uh, Comedy Store Laugh Factory Improv, all that ticket info at adamraycomedy.com. Brad Williams this weekend is going to be in New York City at Caroline's. Go see Brad. Tickets at bradwilliamscomedy.com. Today's episode, holy shit, we met this dude playing uh, basketball in Charlotte at the NBA Celebrity All-Star Game. Um, He's got eight New York Times bestsellers. Uh, Oprah Winfrey discovered him, more or less, and uh, gave her a shot on her show, The Oprah Winfrey Show. Remember that? And uh, he's now going into his 11th season of Dr. Oz. It's Dr. Oz, baby! Wow. Can't believe we got this one, but uh, shout-out to Cheryl, his publicist, who, uh, who made this happen while I was in New York City. Um... And, uh, and it was a blast. You uh, truly can't ask for a cooler, smarter, um, articulate dude. And uh, we, we got a lot out in 40 minutes on this one. So enjoy the hell out of this episode. Watch season 11 of Dr. Oz. He's interviewing all the candidates this year, which is insane, uh, on top of just having a, uh, a really incredible theme to, to uh, this season of his show. And, uh, and support him. Follow him on uh, Twitter at Dr. Oz, at Instagram at Dr. Underscore Oz, me at Adam Ray Comedy, at Funny Brad, at ALN Podcast. Shop AdamRay.com for all your Adam Ray merch. Email us again at AboutLastNightPod at gmail.com. I'm doing a lot of Adam Ray merch giveaways. So if you are listening and you email AboutLastNightPod at gmail.com, you're going to get some free Adam Ray merch. That's all it takes, baby. Send me a message with your address, your sizes for shirts and hoodies, what you love about the podcast, how you got into it, uh, where you listen to it, uh, if you follow my comedy, uh, where you got into it, if you see me live, all that jazz, send me a nice note. You're going to get some free merch. That's all it takes. Aboutlastnightpod at gmail.com. Um, read the Room, my album, still available on iTunes, uh, Sirius Radio, Google Play, Amazon, Spotify. Go get it. Read the Room, my album. Uh, my first comedy music album is uh, going to be record- recorded and finished very soon, so be on the lookout for that. Archibald's next big, uh, big thing just dropped on Netflix. Uh, I'm doing a bunch of voices on Tony Hale's new cartoon that's on Netflix, Archibald's Next Big Thing. Go check that out. And um, again, comment on the iTunes page, give us a five-star rating, and um, and and stay stay tuned, because we got a lot of great guests coming up, baby. Mark Normand, um, holy shit, uh, uh, John Stamos, Blake Griffin, Richard Kind, uh, the hits keep on coming, so make sure you subscribe, tell your family, tell your friends. Now that we've got the tour dates, Twitter handles, and merch info out of the way, sit back, relax, and enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with the one and only Dr. Oz. Well, the weekend's over, so it's time to chat about it. Got a midget and a juice, so why don't you sit down and listen to a dope podcast. Brad Williams and Adam Ray are here for you any time of the 
It's about last night. Yeah, congrats. Season 11, season premiere today. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? They said, that, they, they said it wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah, you will grab actually, that mic. Actually, Oprah said it wouldn't work. And then, also, <laughs> <laughs> and then she made it work. And she made it work, yeah. Um, this, uh, yeah, yeah, hold the mic, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm holding it like a basketball, I should point out. <laughs> yeah, which, by the way, we should point out is how we met. Exactly. Which was, um, you know, that's how you want to meet most legends, is through <laughs> the Legends game. And I know it was called an all-star celeb game, but let's be honest. Please. Everyone playing is considered a legend in their own right. Yes, right in their own in their own specialty area. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, I didn't know. I'm sure the same way. I mean, you didn't know who I was, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that uh, that saw some of us in the game and were like, "Oh, I don't know that guy plays basketball. Yeah, what, what is he doing out there?" Yeah there's, <laughs> yeah, there's usually only a couple that have been seen in in that sports uh, arena in some fashion. But then you told me like halfway through because I was like, "Doc, I didn't know you." You played, and you're like, motherfucker, I played football at Harvard. Like, what do you yeah. think? And then I see you getting who, on the ground. and Who would have thought? Yeah, dude. Was that um, was that a dream for you? Was that a uh, bucket list thing to play in the game or just like yeah, a, I, a free I, Sunday? I've always, I've always enjoyed watching great athletes, Yeah, and I was never a great athlete. I, I could hold my own playing sports, but you see these really great players, and they just stay calm under pressure. They have remarkable abilities to spatially orient themselves and the like. And so you, if you, to be able to play on a field where you know thankfully we have people like Ray Allen playing with yeah. us who are yeah thank know, god thank goodness <laughs> so the, but you 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 realize the difference between them and us but then each of us has that had that element of expertise in our own special area and what i've always loved about the human body is it it's so spectacular you'd never be able to imagine the unique things you could possibly do unless you studied it for a living which is what doctors do yeah. many of us forget that but we apply our bodies people who really spend a lot of time working on almost anything, the 10,000 hour rule. Yep. Spend 10,000 hours doing anything, video games, I don't care what it is. You'll get pretty good at using your body to do it, achieve that goal. There's porn stars out there that have probably put in 20,000 hours. Yeah, porn yeah. stars. I mean, I don't care what it is. Yeah. Whatever you spend 10,000 hours doing, you're going to master. You got yeah. to master. Um, do, is, do you think somebody like Ray Allen versus somebody like me, right? Uh, or me. Yeah. <laughs> I, th I saw you smirk as I said that. You're like, you guys don't have the same body. I don't know where this is going. <laughs> but do you think like... Um, it's how much is talent? How much is like God given bone structure passed down from you? Like my folks were both decent athletes, but not anything to that was probably leading down a professional route. So how much is on me to take that to the next level? Well, I mean, neither you nor I look like Ray Allen. You know, Ray Allen's like a gazelle. Yeah. I mean, he's prancing along exactly. Yeah. However, there are plenty of people who look like Ray Allen who aren't Ray Allen. When Ray Allen steps back to get a three pointer to win. Was that game six? Yeah. For, for, the, for the heat, yeah. For the heat. I mean, come on. I mean, who does that? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, come on. The agility to be able to catch the ball and drop back like drop that. Drop back and then step. make it because yes. you can make it almost always. Yes. And have conference take the shot in the begin with. Yeah. These are all things that made him uniquely different. I, I, I've been blessed to know quite a few professional players. They all share that same recurrent theme, which is they work the brain out. The body just came for the ride. And I would teach these programs with, with NBA teams to kids in different, like in California, we have a whole series of these programs oh, in wow. LA, Sacramento, et cetera. So when the moms see the professional NBA players, they don't want their kids to look like them. They know it's not gonna happen. What they want is for their kids to learn to think like them. Yeah. What do you feed your body? Ray Allen, for example, has owns a vegan restaurant in Miami. 
That helps. I mean, it helps, right? But but he got into it after he's you know he's done his pro career. Yeah. But he got there. He lasted that many years because he was so meticulous about how he fed the machine of the body, and that's forgotten by many. They think, oh, you know, I'll just show up and let my voice sing. Well, everyone knows in order to perform vocally, you got to train your voice. Perform mentally, you got to train your brain. Surgeons have to work on what we your manual dexterity. But across the board, in every specialty that we have, there's things that make you different from everybody else, and if you ignore them, you're just going to be mediocre. Yeah. Was it, was there a time, when did you like, did you play the game operation as a kid and just, you save more lives than the rest of us? Cause I remember like two, you know, two moves in, I heard the ice cream man and I was like, this guy fucking wasn't meant to live anyway. And I would bounce, you know what I'm saying? But like for you, I feel like at an early age, you got an interest in all this. The, the, yeah. The fascinating thing about surgery, it's not the manual dexterity that's important. It's the commas under pressure that's important. So, Did you have a natural innate ability for that well, early I, on? You know, it's funny you ask that question. Because uh, you seem very, like in every encounter I've had with you so far, which has been four or five, you've been very composed. Yeah. And there, even when there's, we're in the lobby and there's tons of people around, people are coming up for you for pictures and autographs. Yeah. You're just cool as a cucumber, man. So I wish I could take credit for that. Yeah. But I, I, so my mom was just diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Yes. And so uh, it's a sort of emotional day going through all this. I'm so sorry. Today, people asking, oh, please. It's, I, mean, it's, I wish I was alone. There's six million other people with Alzheimer's and 16 million of us taking care of them. So, and how old is she? My mom's 81. So thankfully, it's a little bit later. But, sure. But the thing, the reason I bring it up is as part of my, my homework to figure out how this happened to my mom, I need to figure out could it happen to me and everyone else. So mm. I actually have one of the Alzheimer's genes. However, I learned a lot of other things about me while I was learning that. One of them is I had I really had no idea about this until Friday, like you know, just within the last couple of days. Wow. Um, I have a gene that makes more of this hormone called oxytocin. It's a it's a cuddly hormone, but it calms you that hormone. And so the guy who was doing the test said, "Are you are you calm under pressure?" And I said, well, I mean, I think so. I mean, people say I am. I don't feel pressure when the guy's about to die and I've got to put the stitch in because if I don't get it, he's going to die. Maybe I should. I always thought there was a problem that I didn't feel that. Yeah. And he said, no, it's because you have this hormone that you secrete high amounts of. It's just genetic. And so I, I, I do think there's genetic differences in how we behave in different environments. All that said and done, there are plenty of things that genetically you're not gifted at. I don't care who you are. Ray Allen probably is lacking one gene too, even as you know, God like yeah. him. That Do you hear that, Ray? You're not perfect. Exactly. But, but if Ray let that gene define him, he wouldn't have been Ray Allen. Yes. And our goal is like creating a board for a company, right? The think of that as your genes, okay. right? You gotta pick the right board members as best you can. Now, are you gonna pick all the same board members or they all look the same? No, you gotta pick board members who look different from each other so they complement each other. And they're not all gonna be equally good, but you gotta be able to play with, with what you got. And right. I think we are all given enough to succeed and we're given plenty to lose with. The question is, how are you going to play your cards? Was there a moment, though, that you could um, hone in on where, like, maybe the pressure was, you know, seemingly insurmountable and you felt like, you know, you felt in that moment that fight or flight switch where you go, okay, now I dealt with that and now I think anything uh, post this is going to be uh, a breeze because I went I remember my first open heart operation. Wow. My first time alone. It's like your first solo flight. Yeah. And I'm operating this 40-year-old guy. I'm 33. I'm well, a young surgeon. So like five years ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The last month. Yeah. And so. Um, Real quick, I, how, so this is, how much training has gone in before you're about to do this first one? How many so hours I, of. So I did four years of medical school before this, then seven years of very intense training where you're in the hospital for a hundred hours a week. Oh my God. And your vacations are two weeks a year. So, and you're on call. You're staying all night long, yes. every other night, every third night. So that's more than 10,000 hours. And is it planned out? Like, do you know on the calendar, like this is the day I'm doing my first surgery? 
Or is it kind of, hey, well, it could happen any moment within this month? It's going it's to happen any moment within that week. The week that you oh finish. So you finish your training the last day of June. Uh, this is why you don't want to have surgery the first week of July generally. Yeah. Because everyone <laughs> switches ranks. So now I went from being a trainee to this teacher. I'm a, now I'm on faculty at Columbia oh my. my first week. And eventually someone's got to go first. Yeah. Right? So I, I, a, car, a great cardiologist called to have a very straightforward operation. Even you can't screw it up. Uh, you're, 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 <laughs> so just go do this case. So yeah. I go in there, I meet the guy. I mean, I managed everything so meticulously and I got so close to him and that was my mistake. I got too close to the patient. No. That's why you don't operate in your relatives. That's who it was. No, no. It, was, it wasn't relative, but he was like, a, it became like a brother by the time I was done. But I was so, I, I cared so much about him and him doing well. I got so close to him that when, when the operation happened and I had to make a cold hearted, uh, cold blooded decision, I hesitated. Instead of just doing what you need to do, which is you know, rip the scab off, do it. You know, this is, you got to go left. Look, your biggest enemy in the operating room is indecision. You just can't have that. No. In your moment of need, you do not want to be surrounded by intellectuals. You want to be surrounded by people of action. So I'm in the operating room. I fix the guy's heart, I think. He's coming off the heart-lung machine, which is the machine we use to support your body while I stop your heart. Yeah. And all of a sudden, his heart blows up like a tick and stops working. And I, I couldn't understand what was going on. And so I said, oh, we gotta go back on. So I quickly put a, a temporary pump into his artery to keep his heart going. I overreacted, basically, because I couldn't afford, I just, the thought that he would die and I'd be left. Couldn't handle you know, that. No, talking to his family, couldn't do any of that stuff. So I quickly put him back in this thing and I managed, I got him back and then, he, and, and then we took him to the ICU and he's got all these tubes coming out of him. And in retrospect, if I'd just been patient and given myself 10 minutes of death-defying trapeze work, which almost always works, yeah. he would have been fine anyway. Without wow. all this other stuff. Eventually, thank goodness he did okay. Oh, good. But after that okay, case, I remember to myself, I, I said, I have to be a little bit more distant from the patients. I can't let myself get so emotionally racked up in what's going to happen if they don't do well that I think about that. It's like when you ride your bike yeah. and, you, and you don't want to avoid the pole, but yeah. you stare at the pole. Yeah. You hit the pole. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's, there, there's some uh, part of, I think, what a surgeon uh, equates to comedy where it's like when you're on stage and you have in a, in a given moment where, you know, if I'm going to tell a certain joke, but the crowd, you're always trying to read the room, right. right? Feel out the audience. And if, you know, the crowd isn't going down a certain topic with you or there's, I do a lot of crowd work in my act. So if there's something happening with the crowd and somebody's not as into what I'm doing with them as I want them to be, I'll either, you know, leave it and come back and, um, and go back into the act or, uh, or, you know, ask a different question, but it is all again, split second. You can't hesitate because it's all timing. And it's like one hesitation of like, you know, not asking them the right question right. or uh, just giving up on it. It's like you could have lost out on something big. It's not the exact same thing, but. No, I think it's pretty, it's, not, it's, it's analogous in that there's a lot of variables. Many of them are, in, are, are invisible to us. Right. right. When I watch you perform, I, 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 I know it's funny, but I can't figure out exactly why because everyone's funny in a different way. Right. And so you look at great comedians, then they find their own little way of nuzzling the way in, into the camp yeah. of comfort. Yeah. Is um, so, dang, I mean, I'm just so fascinated by going from that world, which you didn't want to be a surgeon as a kid, did you? I did. You did? Oh, yeah. That was your kid dream. My, I remember when I was seven years old, walking into an ice cream shop with my dad. And my dad's a doctor, too. And uh, we were waiting for, I was waiting for my vanilla fudge ice cream, like I always got. I was seven years Still old. Still your favorite? Still my favorite. Nice. So... Uh, well, actually, right. I mean, I like vanilla fudge too. Yeah. But, but I was gonna say, you eat ice cream. 
I had yesterday. I had some really good peach ice cream. Nice. Good. I was gonna say, how does Doctor Oz treat himself? Because I heard you walked in with like a bag of ram's horns this morning for breakfast or some shit. I, I, did. I had all kinds of. <laughs> no, we had, we went apple picking with the kid with the grandkids oh and my God. Some, some of my kids, and we got all this great produce. The best. But when you're at the but at the apple picking place, they have cows, so they yes. have they have their own dairy farm, so they have their own ice cream. So oh. they had. But I, if I had my brothers, I would always get. A, a fruit flavored ice cream because it's so great to have it. Yes, and they make it right in front of you. But if I'm on my own and I'm in a place where you're not near fruit and near, you know through your own ice cream, you get vanilla fudge because you can't go wrong with that. The fudge ever. is so good; it melts it, in your mouth. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for my fudge, um, and my dad asked me uh, asked the kid in front of me what he wants to be, and the kid in front of me was probably ten. You know, he looked a giant compared to me at eight. You know, that my yeah, age. This kid looked like he worked at the ice cream shop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's what he would be. And the kid said, uh, "I don't know. I'm only ten years old. I haven't thought about it." Yeah, easy pops. Exactly. <laughs> Kill me, so grow he, up first. <laughs> so he gets his ice cream, moves on, and uh, my dad turns to me and said, "I never want to hear you say that ever." No shit. And I said, uh, "All right." And he said, "I don't care if you change your mind, but you have to know what you're aimed at. Otherwise, you won't. You're going to be aimless. You'll be rudderless." And and and. You can pick right now. And so, so, and so he asked me, what do you want to be? I said, I want to be a surgeon. And I never changed my mind. And so I Was that like a, were you scrambling for an answer? Or was that no. kind of. I, you know, I love about medicine. I used to follow my dad around the hospital. Yeah. And I always loved. On rounds? He, on rounds. My dad's yeah. a doc. I told you this oh, at yes, the yes, game. He's a cardiovascular right. surgeon. Yeah. So he used to always want me to come. I, I'd say hi to all the patients, which is really cool. That part I could get. But when he was like, do you want to watch through the exam room on the uh, door and watch right. the surgery? I was like, I saw a little bit of blood and I was like, I'm out. Well, why did you become a doctor? Was that? Not just, you were, there's like, there's kinds of doctors. There are many doctors who never see blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I calling know. your dad. I'm <laughs> calling your dad right now. <laughs> I could have been a podiatrist, I exactly. guess. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, and when you do anatomy class your first year of med school, they, yeah. it's all alphabetical. Oh, wow. So I was with Oz, Orel, O'Donnell, and O'Connell. <laughs> right? So, or, so Howie Orel's dad was a podiatrist. He, yeah. became, he wanted to be a foot doctor. Uh, uh, Christina o, 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 O'Donnell was a, just a sweetheart, wanted to be a, a pediatric psychiatrist. Mm. So, there's no anatomy in pediatric psychiatry. No. Yeah. So, she just watched the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And my best friend, who's Kevin O'Connell, said he wanted to be a proctologist. <laughs> Of course. Exactly. Every young boy's dream. Every, yeah, every pract- exactly. Every proctology joke I know is from him. <laughs> you, know, you know why uh, proctologists use two fingers to examine the rectum? Why? Second opinion. <laughs> There's a chance I'm using that at Radio uh, City on exactly. Saturday. Please do. Wait, so, so, so you would go around with your dad? And I, I was amazed that the people, although he was causing pain to them sometimes, but putting needles in them and the yeah. like, they were always happy to see him. And I... Realized later on that what he was giving them wasn't a cure; it was hope. And I love the ability of teachers in general, but doctors in particular, to give people hope. That's what I try to do on the show every single day. I don't always have an answer for why you're not feeling the way you need to feel. And but but the worst thing in the world is is to have no vision for who you could be. And I think the biggest epidemic we face in America now is one of loneliness. But that's in part because people don't think they matter. They think what they say doesn't make doesn't make a difference. Yeah. My whole theme this year is the power of one. Stop moaning and groaning about the mayor or the president or the kind candidate or that. It's you. You figure it out. What can you do to make a difference in your own life that you can share with people that you care about? And as soon as it's not about you, life's worth living. Yeah. Do you feel like? Because you know, I my sister, I can attest to this. She has. 
you know, grown a lot in the last few years. She had a lot of uh, issues with like self-worth and valuing herself and feeling like she was, you know, maybe just mom and didn't have her own shit going. And now she's finally finishing school that she's been putting off and feeling much more like she's got a purpose, you know, for her and not just being at people's disposal. My mom, on the other hand, who just turned 70, has been like the, who just brought out for the US Open is, is you know, just again, it's so everyone's disposal has always been, you know, used to be, uh, she did geriatric social work for a long time, then was a therapist, family counseling. And uh, when she married my stepdad, he was like, finally go act, because she always wanted to. Grandpa just was always like, you know, is this something you're gonna be able to support yourself on? So to kind of discourage her away from it. So she did the vagina monologues like 15 times, oh, then great. retired and came back. She was like the Brett Favre of the vagina monologues. <laughs> And so, and so. Uh, by the way, you haven't lived till you've seen your mom doing a vagina monologue live oh in front of goodness. people. She crushed it though. But anyway, she. I'm. I really want to ask you this. Like, she now is kind of struggling with uh, being at everyone's disposal, like with grandma and my sister, and and helping all the time. And she's definitely losing a little bit of piece of 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 what of who she is. She's she's always her in uh, in every moment. Um, but a uh, little Jew from Oklahoma, but she, uh, uh, but she definitely is is constantly like you know she doesn't have to work because my stepdad she's seventy she she helps him out with his nonprofit a lot which is uh, doing really great but day to day it's like if she's not doing grandma stuff and helping she's like what's my thing you know yeah but book club isn't enough. Today's episode of the About Last Night podcast is brought to you by Koi CBD. Ooh, CBD oil, baby. Feeling relaxed just hearing me talk about it, aren't you? If you don't know what CBD oil is, don't feel like a dum-dum. Adam's here to tell you. CBD is an oil derived from industrial hemp and has no psychoactive effects, man. So you can get the medical benefits, okay, from the hemp plant without getting high. There's no weed. You're not going to get paranoid. It's a great natural alternative to over-the-counter and pharmaceutical drugs. People use CBD oil uh, for pain, depression, anxiety, stress, inflammation. Uh, New benefits are being discovered for CBD oil all the time. My mom uses the topical cream from Koi CBD, and uh, it's helped immensely, uh, which is big time because she's been having a a tough time with arthritis and finding uh, a solution. And Koi CBD is stepping up to the plate with their topical creams. They've got uh, uh, tincture uh, droplets, uh, vape pens, edibles, pet products for your uh, for your dogs and cats to to chill out. Come on, it's a stressful life being a cat and a dog. You want to chill out, get some Koi CBD treats. They got topical products and more. All their products are manufactured in the USA with 100% natural CBD oil. It's a family owned and operated company and it truly is the best tasting CBD products on the market. I feel like left and right, uh, people are approaching me after shows, uh, just being in the comedy business because comedy and and uh, you know CBD kind of go hand in hand. Uh, it's great stress reliever for our world. Uh, the Koi CBD gummies I fuck with daily because uh, it puts me in a zen state before I start my day and at night kind of relaxes me and, and helps me sleep better, quite honestly. It's America's number one trusted CBD brand. All the Koi CBD products are THC free uh, and there's a guaranteed purity, safety, and consistency level in all of their products. They're the best tasting CBD products on the market. Again, I've tried so many. Um, the amount of people that have you know been like, try these pens, we got these flavors and these, you know, you can put strawberry Root your foot. Like, shut, shut up, man. No, I'm going with Koi CBD because they got the most shit and the best tasting shit. And quite honestly, um, it's made me feel the best at any of the products I've tried. And that's why they're America's number one trusted CBD brand. So if you want to get your stress relief on, your relaxation going, and start living a better, healthier life, get rid of that depression, anxiety, stress, and just start feeling better, then, uh, then, then get hooked up with Koi CBD, okay? Head on over right now. 
to KoiCBD.com. That's K-O-I-C-B-D.com and enter promo code about last night for 20% off any retail order from the website. That's Koi, K-O-I-C-B-D.com, uh, promo code about last night for 20% off any retail order from the website. Gummies, tinctures, pens, creams, they got it all. I'm telling you, they're the shit. And, uh, and Brad and I couldn't love them more. Who knows? They might fucking make Brad grow, which would ruin his act, but, but uh, would help him reach the Cocoa Puffs on the top shelf. It's, it's a common issue. I just would caution everybody, your mom in particular, not to think that it's a curse to not have time for yourself. Because the bigger curse is to have too much time for yourself because no one expects you to do anything because you haven't done anything for them. Hmm. And God bless her for... Uh, for, for standing in place of people who might have done the job she was gonna do. But I gotta say, the existential crisis, the darkness that most people feel is one of insignificance, right? If you don't feel like you're a raindrop falling into the ocean of humanity, that, that's a problem. Yeah, And that leads to the heart disease that I end up treating because it's not anger that, that causes heart problems. It's, oh, really? it's hatred. It's, 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 look, if I'm driving on the road and you cut me off, yeah. Getting angry at you is a normal reaction. Telling you to calm down is impossible because you're not supposed to calm down. Anger calls for action. Something just happened. You need to act, right? But hatred is wishing that guy would die. Wow. It's different, right? Yes. Mixing it up because we got into an altercation. Who the heck cares? If you move on, I mean, you get angry, yell, you scream, and then move on, right? But too many people harbor that. They hold on to that. And part of it's, again, because they, they, they haven't found the, the age-old wisdom of service to others. And this is not about quitting your day job and going off and being a nun. It's not about that at all. It's just re- appreciating what a huge difference we can play in each other's lives if we just help a little bit. Hmm. And I, interestingly, you know what? I had Bernie Sanders on. He's on. He's actually uh, on the show this week. Holy shit. And I, I'm having all the candidates on. I'm having them no all on. No way. And i tell you why. I said, enough's enough. You guys get demonized. Every one of these people running for office, it, every one of them has been successful. And oh, they wouldn't be running yeah, for president. of course. Right? So just take the Democratic side. You can bitch and moan and yell and scream. It's too far left, right, forgetting everything. Who the heck cares? All these guys have a talent set. So I want to first humanize you guys. But then I want you to tell me what you care the most about. Forget about defending yourself for things you don't, that don't matter. Well, if you get up in the morning, your first morning as a president, what's the thing that's so critical that uh, hurts you about what's going on in our nation that you were compelled to run for office? So for Bernie, for example, it's the fact that one in five people when they come out of the drugstore don't have their meds because they can't afford them. Mm-hmm. And that a lot of Americans are underinsured or uninsured, right? I get that. I understand that. And he's passionate about it. And he explains it. Uh, then the bigger question is, how do you talk to other people on the, across the aisle? And you know what he said? Essentially, this country got where it got because people who did not get along figured it out. And we have to get back to that. Mm. I mean, you're in Oklahoma, Right, which is you know one extreme of the you're in the other extreme here, and I, I I love going to both places and mixing it up a little bit. Yeah, because you talk to smart people in both places, yep. they get it. Yep, right, they know there's a middle ground. Yep. I know how we all have our biases. That's thank goodness we have our biases. That's why I never use the word diversity. It's not about diversity; it's about variety. Mm. I want variety. I want variety of t- ice cream flavors and yeah. people. Yeah, right. Make, yeah. Me, make me better by by livening up my taste buds. Yeah. Baskin Robbins was actually way ahead of their time. Thirty like, flavors. Thirty one different types of people. Exactly right. Yeah, they got a little too specific. <laughs> uh, wait, okay. So then, so then when so you knew you wanted to do it as a kid, yeah. you become a surgeon. Do you feel like all right, cool? I've I've made it. I'm settling here. You strike me as someone that's never been like 
there's always more. There's always, I mean, I, I want to uh, assume that you did not anticipate you would be going into season 11 of your own show, or no, did you? No, never. They, making television wasn't on my vision board. I had oh. zero interest in, in this space at all. I wanted to be a heart surgeon and the best I could be, and my whole life, my passionate desire was to invent technology that can make these things that we do less invasive, less problematic, like get more people to survive. Oh, there's so much we can do to make medicine better, but here's the th- part. Great disappointment of my life. I finished medical school. The whole time I'm in medical school, I'm waiting until I actually understand the body. Like, I really know it, the way doctors know it. I graduated from medical school. I did really well on my boards. I don't really know the body. I don't really understand the body. So I talked to my professors. I said, when do I actually understand the body? When do I, when do I, I feel like a real doctor? You feel like you learned all this information, but didn't. It's not that. The doctors, when I was growing up, knew everything. Yeah. And here I was finishing medical school, and I didn't know everything. Wow. So then I say, well, I mean, what happens next? Well, residency. Okay, well, that's going to be a lot of work, but at least then I'll know everything, right? right? I go through residency. Same process. I finish my training. I don't know everything. And then I finally realized doctors don't know everything. <laughs> and we're not supposed to know everything. And that's a fallacy that I grew up believing was the case. And you asked me, did I stop? What did I, you know, change my trajectory after I finished med school or, or residency? You can't because the reason ultimately that medicine is such a great field is you will never learn it all. It's impossible. It changes so quickly. Yeah. That's why my best professor at med school said half of what you learn in medical school will be proven wrong by the time you finish your career. Problem is you don't know which half. Yeah. But all that said and done, you're gonna have to keep learning. Yeah. And that's what I did in medicine. I learned, I learned, and learned, and learned. And then along the way, I began to realize that my patients were walking into the operating room with such a dramatic gap in understanding about what was going on. They were hitting kielbasa in the holding area. I mean, zero appreciation. Jesus. Uh, I remember I operated on a 25-year-old lady with coronary blockages, 25, Latino lady. I see her in the, in, the, in the recovery area two days later, has her little kids around her, dad who loves her dearly. They're both those short, chubby things. Yep. He brought her burgers, fries, uh, you know, uh, soda. And I realized that he was celebrating her survival of an illness that happened because of what he's feeding her, wow. but no understanding. And that's actually what drove me in the, me- in the media. My wife, my, you remember the Visine commercials? Yes. It's my wife's eyes. What? Yeah, my wife. My wife made the Visine commercials. So That's she, amazing. So she, I'm in New York because of her. She wanted. To, she's an actress. So we wanted to be in New York. Do you know how much Visine has saved me from getting busted at the mall for being oh. too stoned? Yeah. <laughs> Thank God for her eyes. Oh, wait. Uh, that wait. So how'd you guys meet? Through. We met. Her father is a very famous heart surgeon. Okay. Her father actually is a trivial pursuit question. Well, I'll share it with you so you can get the question. Please. Right. So in 1969, he was on the first heart transplant team in America. And he graduated the, the program and started playing rock music in the OR. And no one would stop him because he was such a good surgeon. And he said the rock music helped him perform better. So Rolling Stone magazine wrote a big article about him as rock doc. <laughs> so oh I was my. playing against him in pursuit and that was the question. I said, it can't be dad. And of course he got it right. I'd lost the point. So <laughs> yeah. bummed, so bad. Oh my God. So, so he, was, he was going to dinner with my dad. They were friends, and they, they, my dad was taking me because he hadn't seen me in a, in a while. He's, he, and my, and, and my, he said, why don't you bring one of your, he, my, my father-in-law had six kids. So my wife was one of six. Yes. So he says, bring one of your daughters, like an arranged marriage. Yeah. And uh, we dated secretly. We, I did not want my dad to know he had did anything to do with this. Yes. <laughs> like, the worst thing I could do is let him know. How could you hide that? Well, I just didn't admit that we were dating. I just didn't tell anybody. Yeah. That, <laughs> I just stopped talking, like complete blackout, information blackout. Do you remember your first date? Very vividly, I took her um, to, so my wife's a vegetarian, Yes, which she told me. 
So I took her to Pat's. I, 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 so I, well, first of all, I prepared dinner for her because she's vegetarian. I made her chicken. Wow. And so she said, well, you know, I, I'm a vegetarian. I said, yes. I have vegetables too. And she said, no, 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 vegetarians only eat vegetables. So I'd never heard of that before. As a first year medical student. So I said, okay, we'll go to Pat's cheesesteak. So I get to Pat's cheesesteaks, which is a big, I'm in Philadelphia. Yeah. Big cheesesteak place, lines around the corner. I wait the whole line, it's half an hour, it's driving me bad. <laughs> yeah. But it's for my, for, for my Come girlfriend. Come for love, and yeah. Exactly. I get to the front of the line, I say, what kind of cheesesteak you want? She says, I'm a vegetarian. And I said, I don't get it. She says, I don't eat meat. I don't, I don't eat any meat, no meat, nothing. Not, not this meat, I need meat. So we fight our first fight. <laughs> Do you just say, fuck it, here's some vanilla fudge? Yeah. I got the, the peppers on the side, it's a <laughs> vanilla fudge. 34 years later, best thing I ever did was marry her. That's amazing. Best thing, without question. Yeah, you strike me as a romantic. Yeah. Uh, okay, so she, how do you hear that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She says I'm not romantic. <laughs> Wait, so okay, so you guys met. You wanted to get in the media. You said you said because people had this lack of understanding. She at least was the one who actually said, you know, uh, the reason they don't have it, they don't get the message, is because you never gave it to them. You being all of medicine, dude. Truth bomb, right? That yeah. must have hit you like a ton and of she's bricks. Right. I mean, most of us hide the best stuff in the. Ins- How many people realize they can reverse their diabetes with their diet alone? Before we started the show, almost nobody. Wow. And so after a while, Lisa said, you just have to go out there and look, Oprah knows how to talk to people. She yes. get people to change what they think. And people, and Oprah taught me this years later because she's my partner and yeah. she gave me my start. Yes. The people don't change based on what they know. They change based on how they feel. If you don't get people to feel differently, they won't change what they do. So Lisa was the one who said, look at how Oprah does that. And then when Oprah needed someone to come talk about health, my wife was the one who ultimately, uh, Gail King, angel that she is, set up the first uh, uh interview we'd ever did and then after that it was you know my, my wife and Oprah became thick as thieves probably did that show 70 times uh, and then years later after having done that show all that time she said listen I think America's ready for a health show and without, without that process I would never this was again I very clearly can say I had zero interest in doing television it wasn't on my vision board it wasn't for Lisa and Oprah it would never have happened do you um, now be honest with me what was more nerve wracking your first open heart surgery or your first sit down with Oprah Winfrey Oh, the open heart surgery for sure. Yeah. Not even oh, close. Okay, okay. I tell you, it, it's not because I, I shouldn't have been nervous. I was so out of it. I'll give it. This is a, you were aloof, like for a good, you were, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. Bliss, right? You were just. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I'll tell you a story about that in a second. Yeah. But let me tell you something about the show first. Yes. So I sh- they invite me to go to Chicago. They want me to bring all these organs. And because, you know, I was going to show these organs on the television yeah. show. So I get the Eagle Cooler. I mean, going through security, they thought I was Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> right? I've got like bone, like so skulls. So where you going with that liver? Yeah, right. Where you going with that liver? Come back here. <laughs> so I go through, no, by no questions asked. I mean, they they were screening for for everything, but they're not screening for femurs and skulls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I get to the st- set, and I have a really nice suit on that I flew out there with. I don't want to get it dirty, so I change out of my suit, put fourteen dollar cotton scrubs on, and do the show. This is how ignorant I was about the impact of that process, and it was that naivete that actually made me comfortable in front of Oprah. There was a point in- You think a, you did that subconsciously to make yourself comfortable? No, I, did, I had no idea what I was doing. You just I, were like, I should probably wear this and nobody was really getting in your ear about- my, No, I didn't want to get my suit dirty and they thought I did it on purpose. Everyone thought I knew what I was doing. And that's like your signature look now. That was my signature look, but it's like an idiot savant. So I walk, <laughs> so, so- That's amazing. I, after, we're doing the show and it, it, she starts asking about the gut. I'm showing the intestines. Yes. She said, well, how much gas is made by these intestines? I said, well, you know, the, the, you make a lot of gas. Men make as much as women, um, same amount roughly. And we all pass gas roughly once an hour. And I said, we've been here about an hour. And I thought, which means that, that our audience has already passed gas once on average, every one of them, until the nervous laughter. 
Yeah. And he said, I certainly pass gas, a little bit bigger. And then I said, I bet you our hostess even passed gas. <laughs> <laughs> you called Oprah out for farting. And, and, and she, no one's ever had the balls to do that. Well, I, I tell you. The, what the, happened? She laughed. And I realized this is a really cool person. Oprah's success was because she understood how all the things she was saying played a role in her life. Yeah. And she could laugh at the reality. Listen, if you don't laugh at the fact you pass gas, then something's wrong with you because we're all passing gas. I literally said this on stage the other night. I said, if you don't still find farts funny at this stage in your life, I feel bad for you. If a fat kid in elevator farts and you don't high five him after, you support (laughs) ISIS. That's how I think things. But Oprah, also, you, you know, humanizing, normalizing her in for like, because she obviously got up to this, you know, deity type level. So when you can make her, and, and she accepts that and recognizes, like, hey, I'm just like you guys, that does help to sell. And um, just relate and connect with everybody. Well, that's all she ever wanted was for you to be yourself. And she told me early in my career, she said, everyone will always ask you when you're hosting that I do a good job. I don't care how famous they are. LeBron James walks off and says, I do a good job. How was that? How was that? Everyone wants to know. It's human nature. Yeah. Right? And the fact is, you're not supposed to be any certain way. You're supposed to be the way you are. Like this interview. It could go in 15 different directions. Yeah. Right? It's just the way it was supposed to go. And if you just relax and let that happen, then it's authentic and sings to everybody who's hearing. So when the when the deal starts coming and they start coming like now like the show you get off and is Oprah like holy shit that was amazing like right away can you tell like oh this is gonna lead to something else or is it just like hey thanks for coming by I'll uh, see you when I see you well in the beginning I was just I mean I was full time surgeon I just did it because it was fun I I thought I was paying a debt to society because they helped train me and then over time you began I she one day it's interesting you asked that question she one day she said has it happened yet I said has what happened she says you know has it happened. I said, no, no, I don't know. What, what, what does that mean? She says, when you're walking down the street, the people recognize you and understand what you're trying to do. And it had happened. Wow. People were starting to walk up to me in the airport or walking down the streets of Manhattan and say, well, you know, I heard you say this on the Oprah show. What did you mean by that? They, they had been taking notes. The people had little booklets. And I began to realize, my goodness, this actually could be impact. Not just for me, by the way. This is for a lot of, there are plenty of thoughtful, uh, articulate physicians who should be out talking about health. Yeah. Listen, what does the word doctor mean? It means doctore, it means teacher. From the Latin teacher. And so if I'm not teaching, then what's the point? I, it's not just about me doing things to you. I'm supposed to teach you how to be healthy on your own so you can become the world expert in your body so I don't have to do all those things to you. Which is again, back, full circle, I don't want to take a bandsaw to your sternum, open you up like a clam, if you could have just stopped eating kielbasa a couple days earlier yeah. and avoided the heart attack to begin with. Uh, what's been the most fun part about doing the show? And and did, I mean, have you, do you still keep in touch with Oprah once you got going? Did she chime in with notes and kind of facilitate everything? No, or? Oprah's my partner. No, I, I talk to Oprah a lot. She, wow. she, she's a great mentor. I will often call her before the season's launched to go over our plans. Wonderfully wise woman about a lot of stuff, way beyond television. Really thought things through. Um, and I, I, you asked me what I like the most about the show. Uh, it's the people I get to meet. It's the people I work with. That I would never have met normally. I didn't yeah. know. I didn't know anything about television. I didn't realize how good people were at telling stories in this medium. It, I mean, really talented. Please right. do not take it for granted. Yeah, you like you know, like a woman like Shauna Rhimes. I mean, she's like Homer, say Iliad. This is this is not easy stuff to do. They make it look easy because they've got a national instinct. Mark Burnett with his with his more competition type endeavors. Sure. Just a complete a gift. Gift that he can make that happen. I'm blessed to have probably the best teacher of all with Oprah. I was going to say, but I also see my producers that that we picked together and, and others involved in our team. It's, you know, we haven't had much turnover. Uh, so I've got some really solid people. Uh, it's like every, it's like, you know, it's like a sports team. You pick 
you're, you're, you keep your best players. You never let your best players go. No one trades Tom Brady ever, yeah, yeah. ever. And then sometimes people get hurt. Or they can't. They don't want to do it, or they get they they want to do other things with their life. Then you just switch, switch them out. But keep your core team close to you. And and then of course I'm blessed to be able to meet the people I want to meet. So if there's someone who's doing something that's really interesting and I want to understand more about them, I invite them on the show and I get to talk to them. What a great like avenue to do that. Yeah, and but you, you have that blessing too with your yeah, podcast. Yeah. I mean, this is ama- I mean, this is amazing thing. Like some of the people we've gotten to, uh, we've got like, five more minutes. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, uh, all right. How can I? How can I uh, lock in my last few questions? <laughs> um, all right. You've written six books. That's insane. What is, is that like? Something that you also never thought was going to happen. Did everything kind of build up with you know now season eleven of the show and like you just was that? Yeah, eight books. Holy shit. Uh, eight New York Times bestsellers, yeah. See, it doesn't matter. The number doesn't matter. What matters is I wrote books. And what I love about books is you can't lie in a book. You have to write down what you really think happened or what you think you need to explain to people. And it takes a lot more effort to write a book uh, because it's right there in black and white. Something about that process forces you to be more disciplined than television where you can let your emotion carry the day a lot and you can use antics to get people to pay attention. I love both. They're very different. It's like singing versus performing a musical instrument. They just are different art forms, but they work together really well. Yeah. Are there topics on the show, I know you've covered so much stuff, like fitness, sex relationships, heart health, sleep, stress. Are there topics that you feel like when you're covering, people um, are ignoring more than others and some that we're probably spending too much time on? People love weight loss. Uh, people love true crime. I'm doing a lot of true crime around yeah. CSI, and you know the lens of a doctor can offer a lot of insights into the psychology of of some of these weirdos <laughs> yeah. that, uh, you know, they can't even begin to imagine what made them tick the way they did. And so all that sort of fun. Um, but, you know, the, the topic that still I struggle with is sexuality. And we have a sexual famine in America. People aren't being intimate with each other. And it seems still awkward for on network television. Maybe on cable it would do better. But on daytime network television in front of all the kids, it's just hard to get into it. And so I, I don't do that as much as I want to do it because I I there's so much wisdom. It's so, I, so important to have sex in life, to be ha- happy. And it is, right? Yeah, for sure. My stepdad was just, unfortunately, talking to this about with my mom and stress and everything. And he kind of brought it up and we've never talked about it. But he's, you know, 74, she's 70. And he's, like, he's like, I'm trying to like get some stuff going. I'm like, all right, George, like I just asked, where did you want to eat? You brought this up out of nowhere. <laughs> but, um, but no, but I was where's definitely. Where's this going? Yeah, where's this going? But I was definitely like, yeah, you need to like, it's an important part of, uh, it's probably sometimes the biggest thing that uh, causes a make relationship up, to yeah well makeup sex is hugely powerful uh you are driven to it even doing foolish things because of it you might also create a healthy loving relationship with someone and just do it a lot and getting that across and getting people to, to not get nervous about it and remember women always blame themselves when the guy's not interested whereas most of the time it's a physical problem with the guy yeah he's literally having difficulty getting it up and so getting that out in the open so people don't have a lot of shame associated with their issues, work them out and get back in the bed again. It's really important. Yeah. Um, you meditate. Yes. I'm trying to get into it. Can you give me a quick like, I, you'll never succeed. <laughs> I have so many comedian friends. Kevin Nealon, for one, he's just yes. every time I see him, he's like, I don't know how you're not doing it yet. He's like, it's I love truly. Him. Yeah. I, 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 well, you know, Howard Stern, I can go on and on. Paul McCartney, there's lots of people oh that you God. know that, uh, that meditate and meditate a lot. Because I'm living a somewhat stressful life with traveling and just the schedule and the career the, ups and downs. The beautiful and, thing about meditation is you can do it, you have to do it by yourself, but you can do it anywhere. Um, I I do transcendental meditation usually, but the best meditation for me, the best quality is after I do yoga. 
So if you do yoga for a couple minutes, just to loosen your body up and let your mind follow. But do this little trick for me. I tell this for my audience all the time, go to the bathroom, put the lid down, you're not going to the toilet. Just put the lid down, just spend five minutes watching your breath. Just get out of the, your mind and just let it go for five minutes. It is incredibly rejuvenating. It's better than any snack you'll ever have, better than any beverage you'll ever drink. Uh, it's just five minutes of bliss. And as you get better and better at it, you'll expand it to 15, 20 minutes. And at that point, that's what meditation is. Because giving and, yourself that time is doing what to your... Uh... You actually will build new neuronal pathway synapses. Yeah. Uh, it's beneficial, I think, for people with Alzheimer's even. That, that's that, that profoundly important. We can show brain scan growth of the brain with meditators. But most importantly, it just feels good. And it makes you much more creative. Forget about working hard. Work smart. Then you can work harder. Fuck. You're amazing. I could talk to you for a week. Um, season 11, you're pumped? I'm pumped. This is crazy. Always pumped. Though. And you told me the power of the one is kind of, power one is kind of the whole. Power one is the theme. Yeah. I, I think that, forget about my show. It should be your mantra, everyone's mantra. You don't, don't ignore how powerful you are. And it's easier to fix a city than to fix yourself. Wow. Which means deal with your issues and then worry about everybody else's. It's almost been 60 minutes. I know we're 20 minutes short, but maybe we could send Oprah a fart emoji. Uh, All right. Just, uh, I'll, 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 I'll text her right now. <laughs> All right. I love it's it, a pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you so man. much, man. Keep pooping. <laughs> subscribe on iTunes to this fucking podcast, give them a five-star rating so this midget and this Jew can feel good about themselves for a couple minutes. Also, get on your iPhone or Android and get the podcast app. You can also listen to it on Stitcher or aboutlastnightpodcast.com, where you can hear past episodes with great guests like Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Kevin Nealon, Bob Saget, Dion Cole, Chris D'Elia, Adam Devine, Michael McDonald, Jaleel White, Bud Friedman, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Tom Arnold, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Jessime Peluso, Joey McIntyre, and many, many more. I'm Tony Danza. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. Good night. That's it, right? You got it? Sweet. Boy, it smells good in that booth, by the way. What kind of candle is that? Hanukkah Willow? <laughs> nice. Man, what's up, dog? This is your pal Bugs Bunny. Say, uh, I got a question for you. Do you know who has the head of Elma Fudd and the body of Foghorn Leghorn? Why, that's Adam Ray and Brad Williams. Ain't I a stinker? Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.